Welcome to the teaching ministry of Reverend JFK Mensah, a seasoned Bible teacher with over 40 years of ministry experience. He is a pastor, a church planter, a missionary, and an international conference speaker. He is passionate about making Christ-like disciples worldwide. JFK Mensah is the General Overseer of Great Commission Church International. May you be transformed as you listen to the Word of God. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to examine, analyze, and inspect faith. We recognize that without faith, it is impossible to please you. Lord, help us to build faith, to grow faith, and to establish ourselves and be rooted in the faith that will cause us to please you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, for the past weeks, we have been looking at the topic, the disciple and faith. And we have proved that Jesus inspects faith. In Mark chapter 2, verse 4 and verse 5, we are told that when Jesus saw the faith of the friends of the paralytic, he said, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Jesus sees faith. Jesus rebuked unbelief and little faith in his disciples. Jesus commended the centurion and the Syrophoenician woman for great faith. And so, faith is not something a Christian, a disciple can trifle with. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, we are told that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We have also seen that Romans chapter 14 verse 23, it says anything which is not of faith is sin. The Christian life is faith from beginning to end. We are saved by faith, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Then we are justified by faith, Romans 5, 1. We are sanctified by faith, Acts 26, 18 and 19. We are, you know, glorified by faith. We walk by faith, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. And the whole of our Christian life as disciples is faith. It's a faith life. So, we have also looked at why faith is important. We have examined the tests of faith. We have looked at the enemies and friends of faith. Today, I want us to move one step forward. How 
to build and grow your faith. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 3. Yes. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 3. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. Your faith is growing more and more. So faith grows. That's it. Faith grows. So, let's quickly look at the steps to build your faith, to grow your faith. Number one, every believer is given a measure of faith. Romans chapter 12 verse 3. God gives a measure of faith to every believer. Romans, 12. Romans chapter 12 verse 3. Yes. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. God gives, God distributes faith to everybody. So nobody is starting from zero. As a disciple of Christ, you are starting from the measure of faith that God gives you. So that is the very first foundation we are laying. Number two, in Romans chapter 10 verse 17, we are told that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Romans 10 17, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. Yes. So, upon the foundation of the faith God has given you as a Christian, you now begin work. And that work is first of all by hearing and reading and studying and memorizing the word of God. Because your faith now begins to grow according to the amount of the word of God that you store inside you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, step number three, the growth of your faith. We have already read second Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 3. He says your faith grows exceedingly. So we need to look at how this faith grows. Let me take you through the steps one by one. And faith, your faith grows first of all through your mind taking hold of the word of God. Now, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 convinces us that faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction or persuasion of things not seen. So, if you are not convinced, if you are not persuaded, 
if you are not assured of something, the truthfulness of the word of God, you can never grow your faith. So, your mind is the faculty which applies itself to new information, new truth. And by so doing, it informs your feelings and your will that this is true. You can work with it. Or this is good. You can take it in. Or this must be rejected because it is not acceptable. So because of that, you, your mind must first be satisfied with what the Bible is presenting. So, let's look at some of the areas. For example, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Certainly, if you are not sure that Jesus rose from the dead, you can never build faith on it. If you are not sure that heaven is real, if you are not sure that hell is real, you can never change your attitude in accordance with what you have heard. So, a lot of people, they rationalize, they even understand the truths of the Bible, but they don't work with them because they never took time to research, to, to inform themselves, to ask the right questions until you are sure, you are persuaded, you are convinced beyond any doubt. Now, once you get that, your mind tells you this information is true, it is safe, is correct, is good. Then, you see that every other thing which fights that knowledge is made to retreat. This is why 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3 to 5 says we are not fighting against flesh and blood but the war we are fighting is against every you know thought which is against the knowledge of God 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3 to 5 for though we live in the world we do not wage war as the world does the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments. We demolish arguments. And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Every pretension which sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So, what the enemy, the devil does is creating doubt in your mind about the word of God. He did that for Eve. He tried to do that for Jesus. 
when he is able to create doubt, has God said, or if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. When he creates doubt in the word of God, you see that arguments arise in your mind. And these arguments, they fight against faith. They fight against persuasion, conviction. So you become what James chapter 1 verse 6 to 8 calls a double-minded man, unstable in all your ways. So, you need time to think through the issues, research, and fight the arguments that militate against belief. If, if you don't do that, then the next step becomes even more difficult. That is the promises of God. You see, faith is assurance of things hoped for. This hope is built on the unshakable promises of God. We studied that from Hebrews chapter 6, from verse 13 all the way to verse 20. That when God gave Abraham a promise, he swore. So with the oath of God, God doesn't lie. So if he swears in a covenant, then by two things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who come to God through Jesus can have hope. And it becomes the anchor of our soul. And this unbreakable, unshakable hope and anchor is where we build faith. Because it is assurance of things hoped for. You see? So, the promises of God are very critical in building faith. Because with these promises, you are brought to a point where you have a hope and you can hook on to that hope and look forward to God answering your prayer to a positive thing happening to you. It's true, faith is not only built on the promises, it is also built on the warnings of God. Because if you believe the warnings, you will take action. This is what Hebrews 11 verse 7 says. It says Noah was warned about the impending flood and he took action. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 7. Yes. By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, Good. in holy fear built an ark to save his family. So, so Noah, it wasn't the promise of something good going to happen. It was a warning of a flood coming. And he took action. That is faith. That is faith. That is faith. So, if you want to build your faith, you need to work out God's promises and warnings in the word of God. 
and come to a place where you are convinced about them. So Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto man once to die, but after that judgment. And you need to, you see, believe and fear that warning. Then you can exercise faith and your attitude will change. We have used it before, but I still want us to read Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. And he explains that good news came to those of old in Israel, just as it has come to us now. But he did not profit them because they did not mix it with faith. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them. Because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. So, the sum of what I'm saying is that if you want your faith to grow, it grows through the word of God. But it doesn't only grow through the word of God. It grows through your conviction, your persuasion about the word of God, the promises of God, the warnings of God. You need to spend time and inform yourself, research, argue, and raise the necessary questions until inside you, you are satisfied. Then you take a position that personally, I believe that Jesus came and died on the cross for me. I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead on the third day. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the provision of God. I believe that God is present everywhere. I believe that God answers prayer. I believe that God is a healer. Those things, you can say them with your mouth, but if it is not out of conviction, it's not faith. This is why a lot of us go to church because our parents take us to church. But we have nothing in us. We, we have no convictions which we are prepared to live and die for. Now, let's go one step beyond that. When you are sure, this assurance passes to your feelings and begin to influence your passion, your excitement. Your attitude begins to change because you are sure of the promise or the warning of God. This area is also critical because if you have been told you have passed an exam and you are still looking sorrowful, it means you did not believe the report. Look at Thomas. He said, unless I see Jesus myself, and unless I put my finger into his palm, and unless I put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And of course, he did not believe. Then Jesus came in the John chapter 20 passage, verse 28. Jesus said, uh, told him, okay, Thomas, come, come, put your finger into my palm, and your hands into my side. Then, Thomas believed. When he believed, his attitude changed. 
He fell before Jesus and said, My Lord and my God. You see, the mind alone saying you believe something is not enough. James 2.19 says even demons believe and tremble. James chapter 2 verse 19. Yes. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Ah. The demons believe that. And they are emotionally moved. So, <laughs> if your emotion, your passion... Your excitement doesn't follow the word of God. It means you really didn't believe. Now, if it follows it, then you have come to the classroom of demons. Because even the demons believe in shadow. So their feelings follow their, their faith. Now, the third uh, leg is your will. Your will is the decision-taking area of your soul. Now, even if you believe that this building is going to fall, even if you tremble and shake, this building is going to fall, and you don't take a decision to leave the building, then you are still in demonic faith. Because the demons shudder, but they don't repent. They don't change. So the decision that because of what I have heard, my mind has been assured of, my passion, my feelings have followed, I am going to take a step. I have decided that from today, because I believe the Bible is the word of God. If I don't read my Bible and have my quiet time, I won't take breakfast. That's a decision. Because I believe that there is hellfire and those who don't accept Jesus will go to hell. From today, all my friends, I will tell them about Jesus. That decision is what follows your persuasion, your conviction. And I'm outlining for you how faith grows. It's step by step. Your mind must be convinced. Then your emotions, your feelings, your passion must follow. It changes your attitude. Then you must take a decision. A decision that because I believe this, because I am warned of this, this is what we heard about Noah. He took a step to build an ark. Abraham believed God and it was counted for him as righteousness. Now, let's go to the fourth area. That is what you say. In building your faith, your words matter. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 28, God said, I, as I live, meaning I swear by myself, 
I will do to you what you have said in my hearing. Numbers 14 verse 28. So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. I will do to you the very things I heard you say. So Proverbs 18 verse 20 and 21 assure us that the power of life and death is in the tongue. And whatever you say, you eat the fruit. Yes. Proverbs 18 verse 20 and 21. From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. Yes. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So, if you are not convinced of something, you won't be speaking about it. So your mouth actually registers what your faith is saying. We have read Hebrews 13. 5 and 6, but it is worth reading again. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. And it says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence. So we say with confidence. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The critical part in that, those two verses is God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Therefore, we can say with boldness, confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? When your faith speaks, it organizes the spiritual realm around you. Now, this statement is important. Let me say it again. Whenever your mouth talks, your faith is allowed to speak. And the spiritual realm listens to you and begins to organize itself around you. If what you are saying is pleasing to God, to heaven, the angels position themselves to help you push it. If you are sick, and you say, oh, this sickness, I know I will die. I know I will die. I know I'm going to die very soon. In fact, I won't get healed. Even if you send me to the hospital, nothing is going to help me. I will die. You see, your, that's your faith speaking. And because you are speaking that, it affects the spirit of death. And when they send you to the hospital, there's lights off. The doctors are on strike. And the ward, there's, there's no bed. And you say, didn't I say it? Didn't I say that even the same the hospital I would die? Then you die. Another man is sick. And even more sick than you. And they come for him 
And he says, I will not die but live and declare the glories of God. I will not die but live and declare the glories of God. For me, I know this sickness is not unto death. Now, when he starts saying that, the whole of heaven gets behind him to say, he has said, I will not die. Therefore, let's save him. So, when he gets to the hospital, immediately arrives, the specialist who used to work on that thing also comes in. Then that day, they brought a fresh machine, which is for taking care of such patients. And before you know what, the nurses who should be on duty are on duty. And then he is miraculously saved and healed because he was confessing by faith that he will not die, he will live. So you cannot exclude what you say from your faith. Yes, I know some people abuse this. Some people, even though they don't believe, they don't believe the thing. They will say, I'm a millionaire. God has made me a millionaire. But both Satan and God know that. You don't have a foundation for what you are saying. You see? You have not researched. You haven't found out the mind of God. You haven't meditated upon it. It hasn't taken root in your spirit, man. Therefore, you are just talking. So now, we are moving to the fifth step in growing your faith. We have seen step number one, that your mind has to be convinced. Step number two, your emotions, your passions have to be hooked onto what your mind has approved. Step number three, your will, your decision to act. Number four, the confession of your mouth. You must agree with what your mind and your, your emotions, your will, are lining up with. Now we are moving to step number five. And that is the conviction of your heart. Conviction is the stamp of the Holy Spirit bringing that particular promise or warning to bear upon your heart, your conscience, your inner man. So, if you notice the Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, faith is an assurance of things hoped for and a conviction of things not seen. This conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16, verse 8, Jesus tells us that the person in charge of conviction is the Holy Spirit. John 16, verse 8. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. That's okay. the NIV. The NIV uses proof. And they are translating a New Testament Greek word Elenko. Elenko means to, to convict somebody that you are guilty or press home the point, the charge that you are 
acquitted or accused. Now, the Spirit of God is in charge of this judgment and this department. So, he takes the Word of God, the logos of the Word of God, and he presses it on your heart and it becomes a rima. That's how we describe it. It becomes a specific word of God to you. Now, this is the difference between the general word of God, which is the Logos, which we all read, and the Rhema, which is the specific word of God to you. And that comes out of the Holy Spirit's conviction. He presses that upon your heart. <laughs> I remember one time when I was in the university, things were getting really bad. I failed my exams. I had to get accommodation in Medina out of campus with a brother then it meant I would take breakfast before going to school and then supper was not assured because I came back from campus sometimes 10pm and I felt my hands slipping you know from the Lord because I wanted to stay in the Lord, but the circumstances were getting out of hand. I was, you know. Then one day as I jumped onto the bus on the way to campus, the Holy Spirit pressed this Psalm, Psalm 12, uh, verse 5, into my heart so strongly. And, you know, it came in such a way that I could not ignore it. It says, Psalm 12, verse 5. Hmm. Because the poor are planted and yeah. the needy grown, yes. I will now arise, says the Lord. I will now arise, says the Lord. Now, this verse, I hadn't memorized it. It just came so forcefully that I was forced to go and look at it. You know, that day when I got to campus, they had found accommodation for me on campus. And from that day, events started changing in my life. That year, things became so different. And I always tell people that that's the year uh, my wife came on to campus <clears throat> And then some of my friends who are with me till now, that was the year, the critical year I met them. You see, it's a rhema. It's a specific word for me out of the general word of God because the Holy Spirit is pressing that specific word upon your heart. So, it is true that the Bible says, in my name, you shall cast out demons, and you shall 
if you drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt you. You shall take serpents. You shall lay your hands on the sick and the sick will recover. It's a general promise to all Christians. You do well to claim it. But if God has not told you specifically that, look, here is a snake. And before everybody, move forward and take the snake. I am saying take the snake. It will not hurt you. That's a rima for you. If you just go ahead and take the logos of the word of God and say, oh, it's in the Bible that if you uh, we take serpents, they will not hurt us. So I'm going to take a serpent. It's the logos of the word of God. And if you fail, it's presumption. Because you are standing on what God's spirit has not ministered to you specifically. Now, I used to have a problem with that myself. That, ah, but the word of God is for all of us. Yes. The word of God is for all of us. But I've forgotten uh, the exact passage. I think it's in Psalm 50. Let's check it from verse 13 to 16 thereabouts. He says that, you wicked man, what right have you to take my words in your mouth? Psalm 50 verse 16. Okay. But to the wicked person, God says, what right have you to recite my laws? Or take my covenant on your lips. You see, they are covenants of God. They are laws of God. But some people, God is saying, what right have you to take them? So, the promises are there. But you need to go back to the promiser and meditate, have time with him for his spirit to bring a conviction to your heart. When that happens, then you can be sure that a new confidence, a new boldness, a new strength enters you to seize the promise, to lay hold of the word. And your faith grows in leaps and bounds. Let me finish this with the very last step. That is the charismatic gift of faith. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, from verse 7 to 11, the Bible talks about the manifestation of the Spirit. And we are told that the Holy Spirit, by His own will, gives some people words of knowledge, words of wisdom, discerning of spirits, faith, workings of miracles, gifts of healing, and then <clears throat> uh, prophecy, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. This faith here is the Holy Spirit dropping into your spirit a certain boldness, confidence. You see, that if you say this, God will answer. If you take this step, God will move in. If you act this way, heaven will respond. This special faith, charismatic gift of faith, is the kind that Joshua used 
to tell the sun to stop in Joshua chapter 10 verse 12 and tell the moon to be still and for almost a whole day the sun did not move and the moon did not move until he had conquered his enemies now yes you can read it Joshua 10 verse 12 Joshua chapter 10 verse 12 on the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel son stand still over Gibeon and you moon over the valley of Ajalon yes and the 13 yes. so the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies as it is written in the book of Joshua. It is crazy for you just to get up and tell the sun to stop or the moon to stop. It's crazy. It's, it's unrealistic. It's not normal. It takes a word planted into your heart by the Holy Spirit to say it. It's the same with uh, first Kings chapter 17 from verse 1 when Elijah stood before Ahab and said there will neither be rain nor dew and these years until I, I, I come and speak again. 1 Kings 17 verse 1 Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishri in Gilead said to Ahab as the Lord the God of Israel lives whom I serve there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years, except as my word. You see, this, for a human being to say there won't be dew, there won't be rain for these years, except at my word. It is because he has got a dropping in his spirit. This charismatic word of faith, of special faith, that when you say this, it will happen. When you speak, this lame man, if you tell him to rise up in the name of Jesus, he will get up. I say, tell him. And with that, you cooperate with heaven to do what they are doing at that time. Now we have looked at the steps of growing your faith. Let me just give you one tip. It is not enough to take all the areas at once. You have to target, for example, financial provision. I'm building my faith in financial provision. And then work on the promises, take them one by one, start meditating on them, doing your daily quiet time with them. As you do that, your faith in financial provision grows. It's the same with healing. If you, you, you take the specific areas to grow your faith, you will see results. God bless you as you grow your faith. In Jesus' name, shall we pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you that you have given us a deposit of faith. We thank you that with faith grows and without faith it is impossible to please you. Lord, even as we have worked 
patiently through this, these steps of faith. My prayer is that you will stir in the hearts of your children and disciples a desire to grow their faith so that they work to please you because without faith, it is impossible to please you. In Jesus' name, amen. Follow JFK Men's Ministries on Facebook and YouTube and invite others to listen to his podcast. You can also access some of JFK Mensa's books and keep up with his ministry at www.jfkmensaministries.org. God bless you.